0: This is Authors in Focus. Welcome to the Authors in Focus podcast. Today we are joined by a guest that I've wanted to interview for quite some time, and I'm actually really excited that he's here. He's the author of the Paternus trilogy, the self-titled Paternus and the sequels Wrath of Gods and War of Gods, we have Mr. Dirk Ashton.
1: How you doing, Dirk? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Michael.
0: Great to have you. So, obviously a lot of things to talk about, but I'd like to start this with a couple of fun questions before we get into the heavier writing content stuff. So the first one, which I ask everybody uh, that comes on the show is, if you could have a drink with any author, living or dead, who would it be, and why? Oh,
1: it would have to be J.R.R. Tolkien. I think I would love to hear how he spoke and uh, just just what he was, just see what he was like as a real person. The uh, the next one would probably be Roger Zelazny multiple Hugo and Nebula award winner back in the 70s and 80s. And uh he seemed like a pretty wacky character, too. So I'd love to love to have been able to meet either one of those guys. They're both dead, of course. But
0: yeah, no, I know. I, I don't know. They would I don't know how they would feel if they got channeled to have a drink with somebody that was alive right now. Would, <laughs> you know. No, not not
1: <laughs> not channeled. You have
0: to rise them out of right. the grave. Some a, a little ne- a little necromancy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um, I thought you were going to say Michael R. Fletcher, but yeah. So well, I've anyway. already done
1: that though. Yeah, in <laughs> there done that.
0: I don't. I know that I know. There's there's a story circulating. The word pants comes up quite often, and I'm That's not. That's because he stole my pants. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a little it's a little more complicated than that. Apparently, he engineered this international pants thieving ring and somehow recruited some folks over at uh, BristolCon to steal all my pants so uh, that's that's not a true story but that's the that's that it could be it might be a true story it
0: might be a truly uh hoping uh-huh. back. but anyway uh so the next question is um i don't like to use the term guilty pleasures because i think that you know, anyone can. When it comes to media stuff, anyway, when it comes to you know, film and TV and gaming and all that. Uh huh. If there was anything that you were into, you know, I'm, we're talking media that that a lot of people would be really surprised that you dug. What would that be?
1: Uh, people that don't know me very well probably might might be surprised. But but I mean, none of my none of my book choices or really gaming choices. I'm not really much of a gamer, but. um, definitely some of the movies that i love that uh i i would call guilty pleasures you know like uh, uh ultraviolet is uh is a really really fun film that most people pan that i could watch again and again and uh you know some other films films like that you know electra is a really fun one kind of like came
0: the, like the jennifer garner electra yeah
1: yeah that's definitely a guilty pleasure of mine
0: Oh yeah, oh, sure. I've
1: never seen it, but actually, I,
0: I hadn't thought about it in a long time either. So now I don't, I don't think, think
1: any, I don't think anybody has. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, it's great to have you on the show. Um, I uh, have wanted to talk to you uh, about paternas for a while, m- mainly because uh, there's really nothing quite like it out there. So thanks, thanks,
1: uh, thanks, th- 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 thanks. I
0: think. no i mean it's it's, it's, um it's really uh it's it's very well written uh it it really has an incredibly broad scope of crazy stuff happening you know you get a mix of i'd say subject to classification and i know it's it's you know often billed as urban fantasy um but it's so much more than urban fantasy there's so much going on you've got this uh, pantheon of gods It gets into all kinds of mythology. And then you've also got some real heartfelt, the more human elements, like the, the basic character stuff. So starting with the first book, when when you wrote this, did you know that you had tapped into something like really different that like kind of might have had its influences, but that was kind of on a different playing field than what most people were doing?
1: Well, there. I mean, there are a couple of uh, reasons that I wrote. The book, and one of them was that I did want to do something a little bit different in the approach. You know, I'm a big mythology fan and I love, you know, I read mythologies and I have since I was a kid from all over over the world, but I love fiction that incorporates mythology. And, um, you know, I, I, I love things like, you know, I read, I read everything from like the the most adult of Grimdark and stuff like that and horror to uh to uh teen mid middle uh, and young adult stuff. So, you know, I love Percy Jackson, and I love The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel, and you know, these things that just incorporate all these different mythologies and have really fun stories, but I couldn't find anything like that for grown-ups, you know. So, I actually kind of wanted to do something like that, but I had already had the basics of the idea for the story and then just kind of used that to help me shape how I wanted to do it. And I really do like urban fantasy. I love the idea of what ifs in the, uh you know, in the real world. So, yeah, and uh I was having a, a great time kind of coming up with the basic ideas from some other ideas that I had had for years and always wanted to do something with and when i finally had time to write i just started jotting them all down and it took me you know several months to do some more research and kind of figure out what the story might be like and uh I, I did want it to be different. I have a film background, so I heard, you know, I always heard, he, you always see people say, oh, it's a very cinematic book and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I really want to do a cinematic book. So, you know, I wrote it in present tense, which pisses some people off. I do some uh, omniscient point of view, head-hopping kind of stuff, which pisses people off. Um <laughs> uh, uh, But I didn't care. Uh That's the way I wanted to do it, and that's kind of the way that movies work. Right. So uh, I uh, but I wanted it to be more structured like a uh, like an epic fantasy trilogy and urban fantasy generally is not structured that way. It might be long series of short books all in one story, but generally it's, you know, a wizard demon hunter type with a franchise. You know, there are tons of the the biggest books, you know, Jim Butcher. um, Right. And and a lot of times Kevin Hearn. You know, and, uh, you know, Felix Castor, um, and I love those books, but um, but I wanted to do sort of that kind of thing a little bit, but with much more of an epic fantasy kind of stretch and ground that in, like, today's, and you know, real epic fantasy kind of stuff, but in today's world. And uh, so I, I, I set out to do something different, and I never expected that more than, like, five or six other people would like it. But that was okay. I just really, really wanted to write it. And it wasn't until people it started to do well, you know, in the SPFBO and people started buying it and started really liking it. Um, And there were a whole lot more positive reviews than the trashing negative ones, which I get plenty of. And that's fine. All books do. But uh, it uh, yeah, it's it's still kind of a shock to me that people like that book, like those books.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like. I hear what you're saying, too, about urban fantasy and, 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 like, typical urban fantasy and where this kind of differs is that, uh, all, like, oftentimes you'll have that, you know, bad guy of the week thing where there's, like, this overarching plot where the characters develop and the side characters develop with them. But it's still kind of like there's, like, one – each book has, like – they're often treated like they could technically be standalones. Yeah, um, it's
1: – yeah, and they're very, very episodic, kind of. Right.
0: Oh. Um, and this is very much, like, a bigger thing. Like a bigger, you know, you, there's a reward and a payoff as this story progresses. So we have a listenership, you know, some of the, some of, um, of the, uh, some of our community may have read the series, some will not have. Uh, so I'm going to say, uh, pitch paternus to the five year old that will never read it. Or the, people that, <laughs> well, oh, I,
1: I don't think I'd let my five year old read it. No, I, I know I, folks, that, I know folks that left, let their 15 and 16 or even 14 year olds read it, but I would say, you know, it's, um, more adult oriented, even though there's no graphic sex, there is a lot of swearing and stuff like that, but it, and lots of violence and kind of horror kind of things, situations. But uh, sixteen and seventeen year olds might might escape without permanent damage. But uh, yeah, I'm terrible at pitching it, so I just say it's uh, it takes place in this world, a bunch of mythological characters from all over the world who all have kind of one source where they come from, um, and there are a couple of a uh, couple of young humans, since so quote unquote, who get caught up and find out that, you know, all of the myths and legends from around the world are real, and there's a great big war gearing up. That's about it. That's about all I got. Yeah, I'm terrible at the (laughs) picture.
0: No, that's awesome. No, it's one of those, I think it's a series that you have to, I've recommended it to a lot of people, especially people that like things a little bit more eccentric. I co-wrote a 13 novella series. Two of them may or may not be classified as actual novels in length, yeah, but they're they're kind of novellas, but they're 13 of them, and they all kind of take place in the same world, although they they deal with different characters that are and, and parallel things that are happening, and they ultimately lead to a place where they kind of all convene. It's very much kind of like the concept is a little bit like the story version of Free Guy. So um, it's sort of a little bit like game lit, but it doesn't really take, it's not a video game. It's like the characters realize very early on that they've been written into a story as characters. And myself and my co-writer are actually characters in the story. And we're basically the gods because we've created this universe so basically we can do whatever we want to them and i was somewhat influenced by some of the more eccentric stuff that's out there so people that like that kind of stuff even people that like something a little bit more satirical i'll often recommend Paternus and say like this is where you gotta go like stop reading whatever you're reading and check this out because you'll dig it and i've gotten a lot of thank yous for the recommendation nice. um,
1: thank you very much
0: oh no problem uh so What I want to know, because I'm very guilty of this, I think that writing to an extent is a somewhat narcissistic process because people tend to uh, write what they know or write what they find easiest to write, which often comes from that um, a little bit of a self-centered perspective. How much of yourself and the people that you know and the people that you, you know, have, you know, are in your personal life have made it into uh, the series and have made it into I guess your characterizations, um,
1: oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah,
0: there's definitely quite a bit of that in there.
1: Um, not all the characters, but, uh, quite a few of the characters have traits or combinations of traits of people that I know. So yeah, things that even, even down to line things that they have said over the years, um, that stuck with me, um, whether, you know, it's something, something goofy and funny or something kind of deep and you know character traits and things like that yeah i do have definitely put some of that in in the characters of those books
0: do you ever name your characters after people that you actually know or i know that i I was reading um one of the weird things i was reading i don't know if it's Blackstone heart one of (laughs) those one of those books and i and i noticed like Tons of, of like book industry people's names, like somebody name yeah. Torn and somebody's name. It's worked.
1: called, it's called Tuckerizing. It's a Tuckerization after a guy who did that would put his buddies in small roles way back when. And, uh, so there are none of those in Paternus, but there are a ton of them in the <laughs> new series I'm working on. I change them and make them a little goofier, but uh because of the type of world that it is but uh yeah that's that's a lot of fun. I have to be careful because I think it it can be distracting too, if people know too many of those people, but how many of them will you know what maybe one out of ten thousand or one out of five thousand readers will actually know who those people are, so right. I'm not it might be distracting for some folks that I know. Um, and who are you know book bloggers perhaps, but uh, for the for the general audience, they're not going to have any idea. All right, where those names came from.
0: Now you mentioned uh, SPFBO and and you know how you kind of got a, a lot of attention from you know doing really well in the competition. I'm not now. I don't even. I, I should have done this. Did did you were you the the top finalist in the year that you?
1: No, played? I was. Uh, uh, I entered. The, I finished Paternus. I wasn't even sure. I mean, I had decided a while back. I, I wasn't sure for a long time if I wanted to publish it at all. Um, and it went through a bunch of rewrites and went from two books down to one, the first book. And and I finished it and got it on Amazon and entered. I think I entered the SPFBO the next day, the last day. And I think I was like 298 out of 300, the 300 cutoff to get in. And I knew no one at all. Uh, I mean, I had met a few people at one conference, Confusion, up in Michigan, just because I don't live too far away. But um, I entered it expecting absolutely nothing to happen. And uh, I was in Fantasy Factions group and uh, ended up becoming a finalist, and I did place third. Um, I was beat by Jonathan French with Grey Bastards, who um, won first that year. Then uh, Phil Tucker took second with uh, The Path of Flames.
0: Right. Yeah, I haven't read either of those yet. Um, but, that's, but that's
1: that's what started. I wouldn't know, you know, easily the vast majority of the people that I do now that I call really good friends. Um. Or, and I think basically nobody would have heard of my book if it weren't for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wanted to kind of bring this up because self-publishing is kind of a weird thing because – on one hand, it's amazing because it allows authors to get their work out. And there are definitely ways that authors that know the business side of this can can do really well and can even make a career out of their writing as self-publishers. Oh, yeah. Um, and and there are a lot of, uh, and you know, contests, things like what Mark has done with SBFBO, where it really sort of takes a whole bunch of books and there's you know judges that you know have you know credibility as reviewers and stuff like that and they kind of weed them down to you know this is some really high quality stuff um yeah you know you don't need to necessarily be signed to tour or orbit or you know in, in fantasy to have this stuff out there and to and for people to find the high quality stuff uh which is really good because the the converse side of self-publishing is is you know, while the pros are that anyone can publish a book, the cons are that anyone can publish a book.
1: Right. Um, Exactly. You know what I mean? And there's a
0: stigma, unfortunately, that I think that that, you know, a, a lot of really excellent authors are starting to break down right now. And there's I I talk. Uh, Ed McDonald and Rob Hayes. I spoke to them uh, last week and the week before about this. Um, both
1: great, both great guys.
0: Yeah, and one of them coming from a traditional model who uh-huh. always had his book traditionally published, and one who is mainly self-published. And both of them uh, said the same thing. There's, there's, especially in in, in fantasy and, and you know dark fantasy and stuff like that. There's, there's a little bit of a of um the divide is is less now. Like it's like they're sides are coming together. Yep. And good writing is being recognized as good writing, and authors that write good books are just being recognized as authors that write books, whether they've put them out themselves or whether they've been signed to a traditional publisher, and that's really cool.
1: Yeah, things, things have changed a lot, even in the short time that I've – I mean, Paternus came out – my first book came out six years ago, a little over six years ago now, and um, things have changed a ton since then. Um, You know, it used to be agents and self uh, agents and publishers would basically blacklist anybody who had been self-published. And that started to change and has changed drastically to the point where those those, uh, you know, that anybody who still feels that way in the business uh, as a as an agent or a publisher are are like dinosaurs at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, it's uh it's most I have, you know, I can just as easily at a, at a conference and, you know, hang out and talk to a senior publisher at a big five place. And, you know, big time published authors all at the same time that I'm hanging out with self-pub authors. You know, there's no there's just very little of that of that anymore. I mean, there are still stick in the muds who just simply don't believe self-pub authors when they tell them how much they make, you know? <laughs> right. Um, you know, and, I, and you know, you and I probably, you and I both know authors who make, you know, you know, quarter of a million, half a million, even a million dollars a year. But that's, yeah, self-publishing, but they put out several books a year at least. Right. Um, and And they are, just like in traditional publishing, they are in the top tiny fraction of a percent. Of authors who have books self-published out on Amazon, you know, but you can make a ton of money. Um, right, but it's you know it's there's a whole lot of luck, and it's really hard to break through the noise. Um, and then there's like research and hard work. You right. know, self-publishing you have to basically start up your own business. You got to handle handle supply, advertising, manufacturing, um, you know, all all of those things that you know even any small business, you have to handle every single, all the accounting, every single aspect, budgeting. It's 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 a lot, and I you know I cannot blame anyone for
0: not wanting to do that,
1: oh, <laughs> for no. wanting to for strict sure. for strictly wanting to go trad pub where they don't have to worry about as much.
0: It's also it's I mean it's a it's a, it's a model that services the prolific author as well um, in a way that the trad model just doesn't. I mean there are really high quality. <laughs> excellent writers that can write 12 books a year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, it's insane.
1: You know, I you know I used to love, you know, there's a, there's a rule in film cuz I yeah, I'm a film guy at heart in the at, in the old days and uh, you know, you can have uh you can have good, fast or cheap, but you can't uh, you can't have all three. You can have any two, but you can't have all three. And I have to admit, there are some people that can do all three when it comes to self-published books. Um, they can write really fast and really well, and uh, I hate them. No, that's not, I don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily. I envy them because some of them are some of my best friends.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's really, uh, and that's and you know those are the the authors that the the model really really works for them because they're able to do this. And if they were, like I said, if they were on a, a traditional publisher the the best they would be able to do would maybe be two books a year. And yeah. rarely does that happen. I mean, I know like some of the, some of the orbit authors that were just starting out. Like I remember when, um, when RJ Barker came out with, um, a, mm-hmm. uh, Wounded Kingdom series, which is one of my, yep. one of my favorite series. It's, awesome. it's one of the series that got me, that made me aware and he is of
1: such a cool guy too.
0: He's, he's awesome. <laughs> and, yeah. That that series kind of made me aware of what people that and um, and Anna's Anna Anna Smith Spark series kind of made me realize uh, what was out there and what people were doing with fantasy and how there was so much more than Tolkien and so much more than George R R Martin. Even though I'm not their place is their place and they're fantastic authors, there was just people that were really kind of pushing the envelope and bringing in kind of like a um, I guess it was it was called grimdark at the time. And now people like to kind of not use that term as much. Like, you know what I mean? That's another thing I was ta- I've, I've been talking to authors about. People don't necessarily like to classify their work as grimdark now as, as much as they would have six years ago.
1: Right, right. They let the audience figure it out if they want to. If they want to call it that and they like it, then fine. Like, I resisted for a long time get, even calling mine epic fantasy. Uh, yeah. Or not epic, but urban fantasy. I just didn't know what to call it. But people convinced me, you got to name it something. People want to know. And I tell yeah. you what, as soon as I did in the descriptions on Amazon, sales went up. Oh, yeah. As yeah. soon as I said it was a this meets that in this genre, then sales went up because there it, it, it was less of a risk. Yeah,
0: well, that's half of that. But that's, you know, in self-publishing especially, like that's half the battle is knowing – uh, your tags and knowing how to classify your work and making sure your covers don't look like they were designed on a Commodore 64 from 1987. And, yep. You know, all those things, because, and unfortunately, and, and this is somewhat, this is somewhat unfortunate at the beginning. It's more, how can I appeal to people that like this other stuff? <clears throat> As opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, let's see how different we can be. And then, then you rope them, you rope them in with that. And then, the art speaks for itself. And that's how you keep the hard course, right? Because yep. the, the, there's the whole yep. math and science of it. And then there's the art, which is, you know, how good of a writer you are. Those are the people that are going to stay. Those are the, the people that are going to write the amazing essay length reviews. And you're going to be like, wow, I actually wrote something profound, obviously, because look at these reviews. Like it's, You'd swear it was like a Radiohead album or something, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, and you'll see, you'll see these books that are these people that are just outrageous successes on like Royal Road in certain genres, like lit RPG or things like that, or or that are writing, um, that are cranking out books really fast and just putting them up on Amazon, and uh, there are. An unbelievable amount of readers that don't care if you're a good writer, because a lot of those are not very well written, but those people are very, very good storytellers. They know how to pace. They know how and when to put in, put in the information, how to, uh, make characters interesting. Even if the prose is not very good or even not very well edited, there are people that do very, very well doing that i'm not encouraging that at all i don't think anyone do that on purpose but uh if you can write decently enough don't let it slow you down that you don't think you're you know some grand you know prose artiste just tell the story the best yes. you can look, and look, it'll either it'll either catch on or it won't the
0: biggest selling author in the universe doesn't even write his own books. He just plots them and gives them to a bunch of other people to write.
1: Are right, you talk, talking about Patterson? <laughs> I am.
0: And, you know, the artistic side of that, you can say. Well, he's basically
1: know, the McDonald's. He's become basically the McDonald's yeah, franchise. He still
0: writes uh, right one series. He still writes
1: some books. But, um, you know, I don't hold it against him. It's working no, for people, people.
0: He's laughing all the way to the bank. Well, people like,
1: buy it and so like it. it. You know, it, it it all comes down to the market. If uh, if people didn't like them, they wouldn't buy them, and they're right. obviously
0: buying them. And a lot of people don't even realize, like that, if you want to, not not to say the lowest common denominator, but a lot of people that aren't very discerning readers don't even realize he doesn't write the books. Like they'll see another no. name in smaller print and they won't even think about it. They'll just no like, no. Nope. Oh, nope. It can't. says
1: Patterson real big on it, and yeah. he's gonna check it out.
0: Yeah. How important is uh? audience uh, and reader interaction to you um, as an indie author or as an author in general, like how much do you, are you still at the point right now where if somebody, you know, writes a really amazing review or they reach out to you and they say, Hey, I just want to, I don't know if you've gotten this, but Paternus is like one of those books that I really love. It kind of changed my, the way I think about fantasy. Like, does that, is that something that you as an author still crave or at this point, is it kind of like,
1: well, I mean, they're, they're always nice to get at this point. Uh, yeah, I've gotten quite a few of those. People will send emails or, you know, through the contact form on my website out of the blue and say it really helped me through a hard time or, you know, they were just so excited to see, you know, say, you know, I get, uh, probably, geez, 30, 40% or more of those are people from Southeast or uh, from South Asia. Because I use a lot of uh, Hindu mythology and I try to treat it very respectfully, but make it fun. Uh, I get a lot of really cool emails and messages from people like that. And I'm always happy to answer answer their questions. Anybody uh, who send me, if I've got the time, I will, uh, you know, I answer questions. Uh, and I, you know, I'm still on Facebook. I still interact with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I interact with, with readers. Now I don't go as far as some folks have discords or even, even Reddit, uh, forum, you know, and I don't really have the bandwidth to do that with everyone right. else. I so I don't do anything like that. But, um, but then there are also authors who are just as success, successful as the people that do that who do, who have zero, uh, social media presence.
0: Right. Yeah. That always that that always blows my mind, too. Like they just don't
1: they just don't do that kind of thing and still do unbelievably
0: well. Yeah. Yeah. I know a guy I I finally I finally spoke to him. He's got a ton of books out. I'm not going to mention his name. It doesn't matter. But he doesn't uh, he has he's got like no social media presence. He, He basically sells all his books through his newsletter. Very prolific. Yeah. You can't find a picture of this guy anywhere. Like, I didn't even know. I wasn't sure if it was if it was a a real person or if it was a collective of people or if he was just writing under a pseudonym. Finally, I heard him on an audio podcast and I'm like, okay, this is a real guy. But it's amazing because he has zero social media presence and he's killing it. Absolutely killing it. And, you know, everybody's got their own kind of different. Different yeah. Things that, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can ask advice
1: not. of what to do or, or, or how to do it from 25 different authors and you'll get 25 different answers because everybody's path is different. And, you know, it's like real, real good friends of mine who also write in fantasy and some of it kind of similar than mine, but. How they succeeded is very different than my path, you know, or, and, and, you know, what will work for Amazon ads for them doesn't work for me or what works for me on Facebook for audiobook ads doesn't work for anyone else. It's right. really, design, you know, it's just like, yeah, you can give advice, but you know, you just gotta, you just gotta throw it out there. And my, my whole approach was I would try everything at least for a little while <laughs> can't do everything. So I've kind of found what works and what doesn't still experiment a little bit. But, you know, you don't have to be on every social media site. You don't have to have a discord. I would say, yeah, it's a really good idea to have a have a web page, even if nobody ever goes there. There is a certain level of legitimacy there that, that helps a tremendous amount. And I'm just shocked when I go in and see, you know, I don't get very many visits. But when I see 350, you know, 500 visits, you know, for the month. Somebody's searching my name and going to my website. I have no idea why. Probably a bunch of porn bots, but, um, <laughs> you know, but there's somebody going there, and some people are, are downloading stuff because I've got, like, free short stories and, and some free stuff up there, and some support materials like timelines and character lists and stuff that people will go and, and check out, but uh, I guess. So that's always really cool. But, yeah, it's it's always nice to to keep in touch with the readers and and other authors especially. It's why I love to go to conferences so much. Um, of course, over COVID, you know, yeah, it's been hard. There, there hasn't been a lot of that. But I am going to be at Dragon Con awesome. this year. I uh, go down, I think I fly down the 31st and it runs and I'm there through the following Tuesday and I'm I got a I got uh, I got a pro a pro pass this year and we'll be doing some panels so really
0: looking forward to that brilliant that's awesome big question I'm sure a lot of people will want to know about this I wanted to know about this what's next I know you got something big in the works you've alluded to it I wanted to make sure that I didn't get too heavy into it because I knew I was going to be <laughs> one of the, one of the last questions I asked and I That's to okay be able to, to pitch that, that what's next.
1: It's uh, it's it's uh it's really I'm having a blast writing this. You know, I was going to do some more books in the Paternus world, but uh I was making a joke in one of the writers groups because we were talking about all the stuff that is like new and super popular, but also the old stuff that just is never goes away you know like uh the farm boy fantasy the uh the magic school the military school fantasy military school dragon riders and then you know of course progression fantasy is like a really really big thing right now and you know there's the outsider that has no chance of success you know who makes good and becomes more powerful which uh you know happens a lot in the farm boy fantasy but they sometimes they just become king. They don't necessarily have to become a great fighter. Um, so I was like, ah, screw it, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make farm boy outsider makes good ma, ma, uh, military magic dragon rider academy epic progression fantasy. And uh, <laughs> except that I'm gonna because I'm a goofball. Uh, be, but I'm gonna have my main character ride a kraken, and I'm gonna call it Kraken Rider Z. <laughs> totally joking <laughs> and uh you know a few a few days later I got a, I got a message from my buddy Bryce O'Connor who runs Wraithmarked Creative and has done very very well with that yeah, it's a, so it's, I'm, it's I'm a fan of his work too I really like yeah his yeah his uh, Iron Prince is amazing plus you know they've had some really successful books come out under their label you know and they're doing Kickstarters now and, and Playmats and Game Stuff and and, you know, he knew that I really wouldn't be, probably wouldn't be interested. And I told him, well, I, we could talk about it, but I've got these other things I want to do. But what one thing that they do is hook, hook people up like me who have some success, but aren't, aren't nowhere, ne- aren't anywhere near the, uh, the level of, uh, success that, you know, someone like a David Estes is, right? And, uh, a lot of people won't even recognize that name, but he does unbelievably well. Um, has a huge following, has t- sold a hundred or a thousand times more books than me. He goes, David is really excited about maybe working with you on this. So I was like, okay, let's have a call. So, anyway, long story short, they, uh, I offered me a deal I really couldn't refuse, and I have never looked back. It's really, ex- it's really, really fun to write. I just want it to move fast and be a lot of fun. So, it has been so far. I'm just way behind on my deadline. Is all.
0: <laughs> so when um, when can we expect? Is this is this another trilogy in the works, or is this Yeah, like it's, trilo-
1: it's going to be a trilogy.
0: Okay. Uh, and when, they're long, and the they're
1: long books, about 175 thousand words apiece.
0: Oh wow, those are so, long. Books.
1: Well, I mean, Rise of Gods was 125. Wrath of Gods, book two, was um, the Paternus books was. Uh, 135 but book three was 235 so i have written books that long before right
0: yeah yeah. oh yeah
1: but uh this uh writing the first one and getting the progression system all figured out and and everything has been has been more of a challenge than i thought it would be initially but i have been having a blast and we're hoping to get the first book out by the end of the year but we'll see
0: awesome well very highly anticipated it sounds awesome and uh i'm sure when it finally does come out there will be a lot of talk <laughs> I, I i and i'm sure it'll end up on i'm sure it'll end up on some list during list time
1: i hope so yeah. unless all the talk is
0: oh my god what is this crap <laughs> you never know there's there's um there's always uh a different taste but i, you know, I have a good feeling and it sounds that sounds awesome So the last question I'm going to ask you, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit all throughout the interview, but if you could give um, new writers and aspiring writers one piece of advice that you think would really help them along their weird, crazy writing journey, uh, what would it be?
1: Just keep writing. Don't be afraid to experiment. Don't get yourself stuck trying to write to market and get it exactly right write the book write the book that you want to read and if you nail that guaranteed somebody else is going to want to read it too right and
0: you know adding to that something that we talked about um not holding yourself to completely unrealistic standards and comparing yourself to that one amazing writer that manages to write 12 really good books a year yeah
1: yeah don't compare yourself to other people's success or failures or abilities
0: and let that saboteur just jump down yeah. your brain because you, you know creatives any type of creativity you know there's a lot of, of you know we're all the creative people are mental <laughs>
1: that's Yes, just,
0: that's just the way it is so there's a we're lot all of crazy we're all crazy there's a lot of that stuff going on is this good enough why did i do this oh I'm gonna scrap this at the last minute. Like I have a I have a trilogy that I should have technically put out. I don't know, it's all ready to go. It's finally coming out September twenty second. Oh good. Uh, I Congrats. got really good I got really good, really good reviews on it. I got an excellent title quote from a really big author on it. And I just every time I looked at it, another something that I didn't like just popped out at me and I was like, no, I got it take this part out and fix it. I got to take out, I, I got to close that quotation mark a little bit lower down. You know what I mean? And a year has gone yeah. by that this yeah. thing was, oh, and yeah. I just realized it's been, it's been mm-hmm. a year since I was supposed to put this series out. I've got another four book series finished already, ready to go in the same world after this one. And I, nothing's out yet.
1: Are you going to um, do a somewhat rapid release, like every three months?
0: Well, they're short. So the, 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 um, the first, um, series called Max and the Captain. It's actually the second series I put out. I put out a, it's with with JMD Reed, my co-writer, who is also a a madly prolific writer of his own work. So we have a six book series out. It's very, very sweary, uh, irreverent stuff that would probably win. Well, I I remember when I first put it out, when I was putting it out, the first book, I talked to Ben Galley because I had read uh, Chasing Graves. Uh And that's that's a really sweary book. Yeah. And I said to him, I I think I I might have written a a swearier book than yours. Um, (laughs) And and I think I probably did. And then when the the other books, when the when the second series, the one I was I was mentioning and then the third series came out and I had a little involvement, like my eight year old son as a writer uh, started writing and brilliant conceptually comes up with some really cool stuff. And we were talking about it. And he gave me a bunch of ideas for some of these books in the series, bad guys and this and that. I wanted to to use them because it's satirical, crazy stuff anyway. So why not? Um, And uh, when I realized that he had an involvement, I didn't want the heavy swearing in the first series anymore. So then I went back and said, okay, I'm going to clean up these really bad words and use softer words so that all 13 books can exist in a world that isn't going to offend anyone. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, okay. while I'm cleaning up one, I'm preparing for a launch for the second, which is really a prequel, and coming up with a reading order for all this stuff that won't confuse the shit out of people. And right. yeah, so that's that's where I'm at right now. Cool, but that's um, awesome. Congrats. No, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, very much looking forward to what you have next, Dirk. Where can people find you? Um, you've mentioned You mentioned you have a website and that you're on Facebook, but where can uh, people find you uh, if they want to delve into everything you're doing and find out more about you? Uh,
1: My uh, website is Paternus, P-A-T-E-R-N-U-S, paternusbooks.com. On Twitter, I'm at Undirk, U-N-D-Y-R-K. Same on Instagram, Undirk. Uh, On Facebook, I'm just Dirk Ashton, and there's also a Paternus Paternus Books media site uh, page on Facebook. So, yeah, those are the best places to find me.
0: Excellent. Well, it's been great talking to you. I hope to talk to you again when the new series comes out. uh, Sure. And, uh, yeah, wishing you all the best on that. And, uh, yeah, Dirk Ashton, check out Paternus, everyone listening, and uh, it's phenomenal. And have a great one.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. Take care.
0: Take care. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my satirical fantasy novels on Amazon. Need help finding readers? Connect with me on Facebook in the Fantasy Sci-Fi Focus group or at authorsinfocus at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at fantasy-focus.com and where your favorite podcasts are hosted.